Amen. How many, how many appreciate what you feel in the presence of God right now? Amen. You know, I, I was thinking about what I feel in this place. And, and so many times we can take this opportunity for granted by what we feel. And I never want to come into the presence of God and just take it for granted. But I know that he has designed an opportunity for us to be in his presence today. To be in his glory today. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. Amen. Let's just give God one more hand clap of praise today. All right, so you can go ahead and be seated. We want to go ahead and get into the Word of God today. And I'm going to share a little bit about what God has spoken to me. I'm excited to be here. Always a privilege and honor to be in front of you and share what God has laid on my heart. But I really want to jump right into the Word. I want the presence of God to continue to move and minister and bless in an awesome way. So the last time that I got up here and spoke to this group, it was during the middle of the sermon series of change. And we went through all the different ways that, that God can, can make changes in our life. And, and I really titled the sermon back then was the rest of the story because God is writing a story in each and every one of our lives. And it's through him that we're able to find that change that we're looking for. And, and I provided that day not necessarily a formula of change, but more of a plan of action of how to get to the point of change. And I, and I really began by talking about context. And, and, you know, when you break down that word, context, the construction of the text, and there's nothing more true to the original text, the Word of God, and how critical that is in our walk with Him of having that as the true and first context. And, and I talked about once we establish the context, it leads to correct understanding. And once we develop the correct understanding, it provides then and leads to the proper perspective. And then once we have the proper perspective, then it gives us the necessary motivation. And then once we have the necessary motivation, it leads to change. And so as I went through and shared that last time, you know, I, I really struggled because there was so much material to speak on. I almost reached out to Sean and say, I, I hate to ask this, but I almost need two services back to back. And, and I, I wrestled with that and I just didn't feel comfortable with it. It wasn't the right time or whatever it was. Um, and so I'm kind of going to piggyback or, or build on what I talked about last time, but I'm also going to tie it in to what we've been talking about here as a, lately as a hunger for God and the new. Because when I talked about change and all those different things, the biggest thing that I hit on, but I may not have expounded to the point that I feel is necessary, is that whether you, whatever stage you are in that process, whether it be you're at the point of still understanding the true context, or you're focused on the uh, correct understanding, the proper perspective, or the necessary motivation of the change, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit at work in every single one of those stages is critical. And so I really want to speak to that a little bit today in the titling this this lesson, uh, The Spirit-Led Life. Now, to really paint a picture, I feel like I have to start at the very beginning to the point maybe where you or I first... There it is again. I don't know why, what's going on. When we first... Thank you, Jesus, for everything and your mercies. So, I have to go back 
to the original, the conversion, when we first made a commitment or a relationship with God. And the reason I think that's so critical because we all come from various stages. We all come from different paths and different walks. And God speaks to us all in our unique way. And so we all came to God in our own unique fashion. And we really applied Romans chapter 10 in verse 9 and 10 where it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And so, in speaking to that, I really want to stop before I really get too deep into this, and I want to stop and say, majority of us, a lot of us perhaps have come to that point where we've made that decision, where we said, God, I want you in my life. I need you. I've confessed it. I've invited you in. But at the same time, I still believe that God draws people to his house that don't know him. And I want to stop for just a second. If, if you're in a place right now where you haven't made that decision and you haven't made that commitment, and you're still on the fence, and you're, you're not sure where you stand, what your purpose in life is, all those things, can I stop right now, and I just want us to pray for you. And I want you to consider and be open today, being receptive to, to letting God just prick you in your heart. And maybe it was through the worship, and maybe you're already there, and you're ready to make that decision, or maybe it's through the Word that's going to challenge you. But I want us to pray for those people, perhaps, that are in this place that haven't made that decision. So I wonder if you could just close your eyes, and I'm going to pray right now. God, I, I pray. Lord, you draw people to you. God, and I pray that if there's individuals in this place that don't know you, God, that you would in some way speak to them on their level. God, you know exactly where they're at. You're an all-knowing God. And I pray that you would prick them in their heart, that you would speak to them in some way, that they would make that commitment to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you died on the cross for their sins. And God, that through the word today, that they'll understand and know that you love them, that you care for them, that you have a plan for their life, God, and that you want to walk with them every day. God, I pray this in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. amen. So when I'm talking about a spirit-led life, you know, and I'm talking about painting the picture and starting from the very beginning, I want you to just a moment take yourself back to that point. You know, that was a monumental day in our lives to when we made a decision to come to God. And I want you to just take, take yourself back to that point, to when you made that decision. That was a good day. That was a good day. And I remember even myself, it was about on the second pew. Uh, yeah, I've been raised in church and, and been exposed uh, to God and His love and His grace and His mercy. But there was something about coming to that age of maybe 18, 19 that I was making that decision for myself. And I made that commitment, and I remember my mom on one side praying for me and my associate pastor on the other side, and, and they kind of helped me through that and supported me in that effort. And I'll tell you, when I made that decision, there was something inside of me that I just wanted to do good. I just wanted to be right. I just wanted to make good decisions going forward. And it was, it was crazy whether it was I wanted to now put myself in different environments or I, I, maybe it was that I had a purpose now in life. And so I just wanted to, to do good. And the truth is, I know a lot of people out there, uh, I've heard people say it, maybe not a lot of people, but a number of people, they tell me they don't like to watch the news anymore because they say all it is is bad news. All it is is report the negative things, but... There's still a lot of good people here 
in this world. And I want to share some statistics about just how good people are. The Word of God says that where your treasures are, there will your heart be also. So I measure good about how people want to spend their money and spend their time in doing good things. Just some quick statistics. In 2017, over $410 billion was given to charitable organizations. That's a lot of people just wanting to do good. And what's great is this is the third year in the row that the total reached record levels. Also, you've got individuals as part of that number. 80% of that was individuals. So it wasn't just corporations trying to get a tax write-off or something like that. It was actually people wanting to do good and give to good causes. And the causes were religious groups, education, human services, health services, health charities, public society benefit charities, international charities, arts, culture, humanities, environmental, and animal charities. And so people gave of their money. But not only that, but they also gave their time in serving. It says that volunteerism in 2017 had a value of over $184 billion. What that just means, of course, is if the charities had to go out and hire the people to do the job that they did through volunteering, it would cost them $184 billion. Volunteers on average spend 50 hours per day donating their time, what some might describe as for the greater good, and that over 81 million Americans volunteered in 2017. That's a lot of people doing a lot of good. But the question I would ask you, is doing good good enough? You know, we look in the, in the Word of God in Galatians where there was a little bit of a struggle happening even there to where I, I like to describe this as, as the debate between works and faith. You know, people wanted to do things by the old law and go according to the works. Let me just follow this strict guidelines and do the right thing and do good and wanted to perhaps resort back to that and take faith out of the equation. We read in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 where it says, I'm sorry, 2 and verse 16. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. And I thought this was interesting because I feel like in the court of public opinion, good is good enough. In society, in the culture, if we let that shape our beliefs, good is good enough. But just like in the Word of God, when the law was no longer good enough, being good is not good enough. And I, I want to speak to the, the first trap that we have in our relationship with God is, I call it the, the trophy syndrome. Is that a real syndrome? No, I made it up, I promise you. It just helped me remember the concept of what I want to talk about, the trophy syndrome, to where we treat our relationship with God and our commitment to Him is nothing more than accomplishment and something to show. And don't get me wrong, you making a decision to follow God is a big deal. The Bible speaks that even heaven rejoices, the angels. So that is a big deal, something for you to make note of and provide a landmark for, for relationship going forward. But if we treat it like a trophy, what happens is we show it off for a while, but after a time, it tends to lose its value. And we used to carry it around with us and show everybody we could, but after time, we, we put it on the shelf. And it's still present, it's still there, 
But what? It begins to collect dust. It begins to deteriorate. And it begins to lose its overall value. Can I say that God is calling us to be more than just a conversion and to be good? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, when Paul is having this argument with the Jews and in the old law, he speaks and says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it is critical that we understand that God is calling us to more than just an acceptance, but he wants to live inside of us. And the way that he lives inside of us is through the Holy Spirit. You know, this is going to be a, a constant struggle that we're going to face. And I think it's critical that the Spirit of God and, and Jesus Christ lives in our heart. Why? Because as long as I can pinch myself and it hurts, I pinch myself hard. I'm not a big sissy. But as long as we pinch ourselves and I can feel that, then I'm going to be operating in the flesh. And there's going to be a constant struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And can I tell you that my flesh does not, not always agree with my spirit? Because, see, the flesh wants to give people what they deserve. The spirit wants to give people what they need. And this was so evident in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 where it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. You know, see, he didn't give us what we deserved. He gave us what we needed. To quote a famous Andre Crouch song, He looked beyond all of my faults and he saw my need. And so it's critical that the Spirit of God live inside of us. And let me give you a practical example of, of what it looks like, that flesh versus the Spirit, and, and giving what someone needs instead of necessarily what they deserve. I was really taking some time to try and be a witness and share the love of God to, to someone uh, on repetitive occasions. And no matter how much I drew him or, or directed him to the water, he just wouldn't drink. You know, they, what's that saying? You can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I was trying to take someone to the living water, and I couldn't make him drink. And it kind of got to a point where I got so frustrated, and I just wanted to wash my hands of the situation. Now, granted, in my spirit, it said, Hey, do you remember what the Bible talked about? The last person that washed their hands of someone? Pilate, Jesus. Didn't want to be in that category. So I said, So God, so what are you trying to tell me? And he said, You know what? You may be right in the mindset of you can take someone to water, but you can't make them drink. But that doesn't mean you don't keep taking them to the water. You know, and that really spoke to me because my flesh wanted to give up. Say, I'm do I've done everything that I'm supposed to do, but the Spirit said, continue on in me. Let me ask a tough question. When's the last time that you acted differently than you felt? When's the last time that we may have looked at a situation and not responded necessarily to how we feel, but how the Spirit is leading and guiding us. It is critical that we not only have the Spirit of God in our life living, but that we're also led of the Spirit. We look in Galatians, or in Romans, do I have that? Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 where it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God 
are the children of God. With us being royalty and children of God, we have a responsibility to not only have the Spirit of God living in us, but we also must, too, be led of the Spirit. You may say, okay, well, Chris, you just gave a practical example of of what it's like maybe to, to not be led of the Spirit by what you want to feel and do and things like that. You know, how do we know if we're being led of the Spirit? I'm so glad you asked. Because the Word of God is very specific about this. We find in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23 where it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So you may look at that and say, okay, well, give me what that looks like in real life. When you demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, you're able to love when you know you're not going to be loved back. Able to say, I love you, when you know it's not going to be reciprocated. To be able to not keep a record of wrongs, but just throughout all of the rejection, love Because God is love. When you're led by the Spirit, you're able to do those things. What about joy? When you're able to feel joy, when you have every justifiable reason not to. When everything is going chaotic, when your environment and your circumstances are weighing so heavy on you, but in the midst of the fog and the storm, you're still able to find joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I, you know, can, can experience this just as I was praying one day up here at the, at the service, and there was, uh, before the service, there was a situation that was just frustrating me that I was praying about, and it was like the enemy was trying to mess with my, my psyche. He was trying to say, hey, I know you're here to pray, but I really just want to discourage you for a second. And I began to rebuke that, and I began to pray, God, I, I want your direction. I, you know, I, I don't, I want to, be focused on you with what I'm feeling right now. And it's so funny as I began to pray and lean into God, how God brought to my mind something joyful in that circumstances. And I literally, no text, I laughed out loud. And, and it's funny how God can do that. He can take a situation and he can allow us to find joy. I want to really speak to this scripture on the fruits of the Spirit because I think it's very imperative that we grasp this concept today. And I want to make a statement, and I I, I want to spend some time on this because I think this is critical. The scripture is very specific when it says it is the fruit of the Spirit and not the seed of the Spirit. Let me say that again. It is the fruit of the Spirit and not the seed of the Spirit. What do I mean by that? The Spirit of God has to first be active, and then fruit comes. You can't do these things. You can't show patience, show kindness, show love, show joy, and have the Spirit of God be produced by that. That's what I mean by that. I I wrote this down, and I I wanted to read it, because I think it's very imperative to make sure that I'm clear on this this point, is the Spirit, Fruit of the Spirit is that which naturally grows out of the operation of the Spirit. 
Therefore, the Spirit must first be in operation for fruit to be produced. Trap number two. The first trap was, hey, be careful not to use your relationship and your commitment with God as, as the trophy syndrome. Trap number true, the fruit of the Spirit cannot be engineered. The fruit of the Spirit cannot be engineered. Sometimes when I prepare messages, it's like God preaches the message to me, and then I just preach it back to you. Can I say on this point here, this hit home. This made me uncomfortable to the point that I had to pray to God to help me get this fixed. And I'm just going to be personal. This is a real church about a real God, real life, all those things. I want to get real with you for just a second. This concept that we cannot engineer the fruits of the Spirit, I want to speak to the parents for just a second. I literally had to go and apologize to my boys. Because the message that I preach so much is integrity, integrity, integrity. You know what? You boys do the right thing when nobody's looking. See, my focus was on them doing right and good. And... I got checked in my spirit of maybe I was so focused on them doing right and good, maybe I haven't pointed them to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I tried to engineer the fruits of the Spirit and not point them as much as I could have. Don't get me wrong. We, we live in a Spirit-filled house, you know, loving God, all those different things. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is in our house. But there were times that I don't know that I always pointed them to the Spirit. Let me tell you, if you're in this place today, and I'm about to make a bold parent to the statement, a bold statement to the parents, that is, you cannot be the parent that God has called you to be unless you're led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I have a people-pleaser mentality. That was difficult for me to say. You cannot be the parent that God has called you to be unless you're you are led by the Spirit. Because here's why. The end result may be that your kids grow up and be good people. But will they be godly individuals? There's a st clear distinction between good and godly. Good people do good for the sake of doing good. Godly people are led by the Spirit and have Jesus in their heart. And as a result of that, they do good things. I don't know about you, but, but I want godly kids. And I had to go to them and, and say, you know what? Uh, I don't know that I've always done what I should do as a parent. And I asked them, I say, I hope you can forgive me for that. And I promise I'm going to make every effort, 100% of the time, to lead you to Christ. To point you toward Jesus and the Holy Spirit and have Him guide you. And if I do that, the integrity part will take care of itself. God has called us to live a life that's one, has His Spirit alive in us, but also where He is leading us. And let me tell you, God wants to lead us to great things. 
What's the scripture say? That he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. And even in saying that, I think it's important to know that as better is, what's that song? Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. And, and it's important to know how great it is to live a life after Jesus Christ and to have the Holy Spirit walk with him. It's just great and comforting to know that no matter what trials and struggles we face and what paths we go down, that we're always going to have someone there. And I'm not going to lie to you when I say that, you know, it's not all blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven. That struggles and temptations are still going to come. The Bible speaks that it rains on the just and the unjust. Good, bad things happen to people that deserve it and people that don't. He never said that we wouldn't go through anything. He just said that we would always never go through it alone. I want to share a story of, um, of me coming fresh out of, out of college. I think it was around 2004. I can't remember how old I was. Um, you know, early 20s. And I had just finished um, Bible college and uh, coming off getting my degree. And the reason that was so important is because I wanted to utilize both those things. And I was able to get a job at, uh, in the accounting department at Salvation Army. So I was still able to use my business degree, but at the same time, I was still able to serve the community and things like that. Great ministry of Salvation Army and what they do for, for uh, you know, uh, society and things like that. And so I was still able to kind of maybe eat with the homeless and things like that because there was a soup kitchen, uh, we had a shelter, uh, all those different things. And uh, I remember being at work one day. And, well, let me tell you this. And my schedule was this. I would, I would uh, you know, have the full-time job, Salvation Army. I had got hired on by my church as a, a part-time youth pastor. And then from there, uh, in my personal time, I would just evangelize when it comes to personal evangelism, like teaching Bible studies and things like that. And I remember getting a call one day at work, and as I answered the phone, I didn't recognize the number, but I still picked it up. I'm contrary to my wife in that area. She doesn't recognize the number. She would not pick up the phone. So um, so I picked up the phone, and I said, you know, hey, this is Chris Athey. And they said, uh, yeah, this is such and such from Elmore County Sheriff's Department. You know how they say your life flashes before you in certain <laughs> moments? I thought to myself, everything that I had ever done negative went through my mind at that point. And I began to think about, oh, that was bad, but that's not illegal. You know, <laughs> or, well, God, I can't believe I got away with that. That was just stupid, but still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm safe. And so, you know, and then I come back to reality and I said, what can I do for you? And he said, well, I'm, uh, I want to give you a call. Um, I'm sure you've heard on the news we're investigating a homicide and, uh, and, and I, I want to talk to you about a certain individual. And uh, he said, is there a place that we can meet and talk? So we set up for a meeting the next day, and, and, he, and he was like, so where can we meet? Where else do you think? I told him, I'll meet you in the church parking lot. Because I was thinking I might get there a little bit early to pray just in case. It was bad news. <laughs> and so I remember meeting him there in the church parking lot. And uh, I got there first. And he pulled up pulled beside me, rolled down his window, said, you know, 
Just go ahead and get in the car. In the front seat, I might add you. The front seat. <laughs> I didn't, you know, do a double take and go to the back first. So we sat there and, and, and he grabbed his folder to kind of open all his notes and things like that. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm trying to be mindful that this is Family Sunday. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see the picture of the homicide victim. And can I tell you, it got real at that point. And so what it was is there was someone that I was having a Bible study with that he had a past. I knew that he had, uh, he had been incarcerated before and, and things like that. And, and I was teaching a, a Bible study with him on a weekly basis. And, and I was teaching that, that Bible study. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to go through all the different suspects. And apparently the individual that I was teaching the Bible study to, he had some connections with this guy and maybe even owed him money and things like that. So they're going through all these different opportunities for motives and things like that. And fortunately for this guy, at the time that this happened, we were in a Bible study at church. I share that story to say, to make two points. One is, even when you're led by the Spirit, you're still going to find yourself in some messy situations. You know, I was just being led to the Spirit. I was trying to share the love of Christ and trying to get people to know God even more. But I found myself in a muddy, muddy, muddy situation. And so when, when the sheriff rode off that day, I even said to myself, God, not cool. And then I went to church and changed my britches. You know, <laughs> it was a difficult situation. But... You're going to find yourself in difficult situations even being led of the Spirit. And I want to speak to someone right now that maybe you're going through a difficult time and maybe not everything is working out exactly like you want it to. And there's some doubt. And there's some faith that's trying to be chipped away. Can I encourage you to, to lean in to Jesus Christ? To be led of His Spirit, to let that Spirit live inside of you and watch God continue to do a work in your life. I think of the fruit of the Spirit of peace. Perhaps you're in that middle of your uncertainty, seeing no way of escape and no end in sight. But just the fact that you knowing that you're a child of God, you lean into Jesus Christ and you find that peace in the Prince of Peace. Or you choose to be led of the Spirit and let the Spirit live inside of you. And you begin to, to see patience, which is another fruit of the Spirit. Where the schedules are frantic and life is just getting out of control. And everything around you is operating in a way that is beyond you. You'll find strength and patience in that. The second point that I want to make about that story is... There is value in surrounding yourself with people that are led of the Spirit. I can't tell you how important my brothers and sisters are here at Journey Church. And how we build each other up and how we support each other. Let me tell you, if you are not involved in a connect group, or if you haven't taken the opportunity to come in and serve in some capacity, can I encourage you to do that? There is value in being in the presence of others 
that are led of the Spirit. I provided a way of escape for that guy because he surrounded himself with someone that's led of the Spirit. So I encourage you to, to connect, to be part of that. And then thirdly, having the Spirit alive in us, having the Spirit lead us. The third thing is as we live a Spirit-led life, our eyes are opened to the gifts of the Spirit. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 11, it says, Now there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit of message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between the Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another interpretation of tongues. And these are the works of one the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. We at Journey Church, we're a Bible-believing church. We believe that the spiritual gifts are still active. We've, we've seen them demonstrated here in service. I have them at work in my own personal life. And can I say, if Aaron talked about Discover the Journey, I encourage you, if you want to know more about that, sign up for Discover the Journey. Sean does an incredible job of speaking in detail about the gifts of the Spirit and how they're still active and God to speak to us in that way today. But I really want to highlight one of those gifts today, and that's going to be the gifts of prophecy. So it was just a couple months back, and I get up here and I make the announcements. I'm asked to preach. But like I said, living a Spirit-filled life is not always blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven. And can I tell you that I was hitting a low point in my life just two months ago. And I met here with a confidant of mine here at the church. And I sat down and I began to kind of share my heart. And the truth is I couldn't even get through sharing my full heart without stopping, burying my hands in my face and weeping. And I remember... In having that meeting in that moment, that I even uttered the words, I feel so defeated. And I began to think about that moment later as God began to work on my heart. It was like my Peter moment, where I'm walking on water. And my distractions got so big that I took my eyes off Jesus and I started to focus on the situation. Let me tell you, it's in those times that we feel defeated, but as long as we're walking by the Spirit and led by God, we're never defeated. Amen? And so, as God began to kind of restore and begin to work on my heart, it was just a very short period of time that I carried that around and I said, you know what? No, I'm a child of God. I'm going to be led of the Spirit. There's victory in Jesus, and I'm going to lean in on that. And, you know, over the next number uh, of weeks, we had their Thursday Night Thunder. Um, many of you were here for that. 
and uh, and someone made a point to be led of the Spirit and, and pray for me that night. It's I was involved in praying for other people, but someone being led of the Spirit came up to me and said, "Hey, you're praying for a lot of people, and that's kind of you know your role maybe here tonight, but." I just feel led that you need prayer too. And I was able to be blessed and ministered to by someone being led of the Spirit. And then this past week, it was kind of capped off of, of things coming full circle. And I went to a conference, and it was an incredible time of God, move of God. God was doing great things. And the truth is, with my schedule and work and things like that, I normally don't have the opportunity to attend events like this. Uh, I don't know if I felt like I wanted to or I needed to or whatever, but everything just kind of came together and allowed me to kind of participate. And so I went this week uh, to, a, to a conference, and there was a time in the service when the gifts of the Spirit were in action of prophecy. And I don't know if any of you have ever been in those services, but there was a part of me, maybe it was pride, whatever, that I didn't want to be singled out. I don't know that I prayed to God, but it was more of, God, I'm okay if you don't use me in part of this. I'm just kidding. I, was God. I said, God, please no. And, and it was simply... I just didn't want to cry in front of people. Because the truth is, I was still to a degree at a little bit of a fragile state. Been praying about things. They're not getting better, they're getting worse. Just discouraged. But I'm trusting in God and believing. And these words were prophesied. I want to share a little bit of what was said that this past week. Had me and my wife both stand up. He said, yes, what you're doing is important. Yes, the Lord heard your prayers and provision is on the way. Yes, the Lord is pleased with you. I come to encourage you to keep loving and excel still more. And he shared a couple other things that are a little bit more personal uh, to our home, but he also spoke to that there is a refreshing coming during the holidays, a recalibration for 2019 that will position you for a reset and a fresh start and areas you had almost given up on. He said, be encouraged. It's God's pleasure to lead you toward the new he has for you. Can I say, just as there was a new that he has for us, God also has a new for you? What did Sean talk about last week? That God wants to do not just more, but new things in you. And the Spirit of God and the Word of God speaks many times that there's new throughout the Bible, that when we come to Christ, we're a new creature. Through the Scriptures, he talks about the renewing, of our mind. And, and though that we may stumble in our journeys, that he makes his mercies new every day. So I challenge you today, and that's just it, is whenever I speak, I want to encourage, I want to love, but I also want to challenge. I challenge you today to step into that new. To let God rewrite that story. To lay all your cares, all your burdens, 
on him at his feet and walk in the new, the new past, the new blessings that he has for you. Let today be that beginning of the new. And so as I reflect back one more time on the fruits of the Spirit, and, and I don't know why I'm saying this, I just really feel led to say this. Uh, and, and just kind of go with me, uh, if you could. You've got the fruits of the Spirit of faithfulness. The importance of being led of the Spirit and letting the Spirit be alive in you is when the struggle in your current relationship, this is for somebody, the struggle in your current relationship weighs so heavy and the pull to abandon that commitment is so strong, you're able to remain committed and faithful by being led of the Spirit. And when situations arrive, and speaking to self-control, when situations arise that an open door for you to submit to your emotions, but instead you show self-control, that's what it means to be led of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to live a Spirit-led life. As the worship team comes back up to close us out in worship, my time's up. I've had an opportunity to speak and share what God has laid on my heart today. But now the ball's in your court. Now's an opportunity for you to one stop and reflect on everything that I talked about today. And that's what I want to encourage you to do is, is as the worship team plays, and we'll stand here in just a minute, I want you to take some time and reflect. Just as I took time and identified as God spoke with me, and I had to be honest with myself and honest with my boys, saying, I don't know that I've always been led of the Spirit in the way that I should be in parenting you. Can I challenge you to be honest with yourself on where you're at today? Whether you have that trophy syndrome that relationship with God is nothing more than accomplishment. I challenge you to let God live inside of you. Be crucified with Christ and let Him live inside of you. Be led of the Spirit so that those fruits of the Spirit are demonstrated so that then God can open your eyes to the gifts of the Spirit. You know, Mike Plain came and spoke to us uh, about six weeks back. And he made a, a statement, said there was a guy, a minister of his, and they would have interaction, and every time they'd see each other, one would they'd ask the other one, they'd say, how big is God? And his response was always, he's big enough. Can I challenge and, and add to that a little bit and say, when asking that same question, how big is God? God is as big as you will let him be. You have the decision. You have the ability to submit your life unto Him today. And that now is your time to make a decision. So as we all stand here today and we enter back into worship one more time, I want to draw your attention to this song that they're about to sing labeled Holy Spirit. It speaks to the words are, There is nothing worth more 
that will ever come close. Nothing can compare to our living hope, your presence, Lord. And then the chorus goes on to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And so I challenge you, let that be your prayer today. Let that be your anthem to God to say, Lord, you are welcome in me. You are welcome to live. You are welcome to lead. You are welcome to operate in however you see fit. And then the bridge goes on to say, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. And if you want to experience that glory, you have to be willing to let Him lead you to produce that Spirit. So I challenge you, as we pray and sing this song, if you would, just close your eyes. And let this Spirit speak to you in a way that He never has before as we close in worship. Let's worship together.